Sean Gormley. What a day we have going. You've been out and about much today? If you haven't been, this is another beautiful day. And in the back half of November, that is never a bad sign. But Friday already, tomorrow, I'm looking ahead. Week's Hottest Shows, Heroes, Zeros, uh, Belton Johnson is in. And no, we're not going to do a Grey Cup prognostications. I, I know many of you would like to, but we're not. It's green and white, and there's no team wearing green and white in the Grey Cup this year. So we will sit back and watch Hamilton or Toronto. I was saying Toronto, but now with quarterback injuries, who knows? And I, I would hope if Montreal wins, good on Cody Fajardo. Still doesn't in any way obviate the team moving on from him because the last couple of years he was not so good with Saskatchewan. I could say that, I think. But he's had a good year with Montreal. Okay, before we leave you today, though, um, there's an organization called CANE, the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network, uh, federally funded in the whole ag tech innovation space. They fund technology programs that are new and developing and that have some opportunities and challenges in the agri-food sector. And as you know, there are very few sectors that have some of the advanced things going on in technology as agriculture does. In fact, next week at Agribition, we're going to be doing the show there Tuesday. It'll be my final on-location show of all time. Yeah, everything wraps up next week. But every time I go to farm shows, there's a good example. You look at some of the ag tech developments, they are remarkable. Well, one of the uh, initiatives being uh, revealed and supported by Kane is a project called Croptimistic Technology. And this is a really neat area working on its precision agriculture, dealing with SWAT maps, SWAT for soil, water, and topography. The guy behind this is Corey Wilmus in Nakam, Saskatchewan, and this is where we find Corey today. Hey, thanks so much for taking our call. Thanks for having me. This sounds like a neat thing. When did all of this become your, your thought and your idea? Uh, we started in 2018 down the ag tech pathway. And had this been a motivation for some time, the kind of things you were thinking of? Yeah, well, I guess we grew up in... I grew up in farming and been in, in the crop consulting business since uh, 2003. So we saw it coming for a long way. And yeah, it's just in the last five years, I guess we have attempted to build out the technology part of that business to help farmers. So, so how do you build SWAT maps, soil, uh, water, and uh, topography? Uh, the primary way that those get built is to collect detailed elevation and soil property uh, models and this is collected in a lot of cases from people driving fields with an instrument we call the swap box and an RTK GPS system um, and in some areas it can be done autonomously if they have elevation maps like from LIDAR which is ele accurate elevation from planes um, Yeah, so that's more or less the core information required and then we, they build that into sort of 50 different layers so for example a turn a field into hills mid slopes and depressions and uh, separate out the salty areas and stuff like that to to build a final map that would represent all those characteristics of the 
soil, water, and topography properties of a field. Given the number of acres in Saskatchewan, that must be a huge undertaking. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> is, and I mean that's part of the scalability challenge, and that's what technology does, and um, we've successfully done that. I know they're well past 3 million acres now been mapped, so it's uh, it's happening, yeah. Corey Wilness, CEO, founder of Croptimistic Technology. So with the Cane funding, this Canadian Agri-Food Automation Intelligence Network, what do they do to support? Do they fund part of your, your scaling up? Yeah, well, that funding's been fantastic because it's enabled us to have, we have four separate research projects with universities across Canada and their artificial intelligence pro- projects. So, I mean, it, it's helped us access expertise that we we don't have internally in the company. Um, so, I've been really good research projects that have helped us develop, you know, technologies that are now in use on farms through those relationships. So, so what do farmers do with this map once they have that kind of detailed technology, you know, in the acres they're farming? What do they do with it? Well, everyone's using this foundational map to, of a SWAT map as their way that they now apply their any soil applied products. So that could be things like fertilizers, seed, uh, soil amendments, soil applied herbicides. So I mean, it could be used with drills or fertilizer application technology, you know, sprayers, those types of things where farmers aren't just blanket applying a rate of a certain product across the field. Now they're they're micromanaging their fields with a prescription that's basically applied with the push of a button and it does it all automatically. Corey Wilness, CEO, Croptimistic Technology. So in terms of the efficiency, I would imagine, you know, over the scale of thousands of acres, uh, probably less product being used in the aggregate? Um, that would probably be like farmer specific. Mm, okay, so yeah. Per- perhaps in an area like... I'm over here near the Quill Lakes, and it has a lot of salty soils. And, you know, so people might have 10% of their land that's salty, and you could either, you know, hardly apply any fertilizer at all in those areas and keep that money in the bank, or or sometimes people reallocate it to, you know, other good areas of the field and, and try and get more productivity out of other areas. So it's kind of specific to the farmer as to what their objective would be. So with this technology you use, the, the SWAT box, that's something over the years you've developed and patented? Yeah, so we designed that product just to make it easy to map soils. Like a lot of the technology that's out there, there's very, very good sensors like for doing the job, but they never made it easy for the operator and to get the data to the people that need it to build maps. So. Um, that's been the primary reason we built the swap box was to simplify and automate that process as much as possible. And then are you, are you able to roll that technology out to like other partners who would be using it? Yeah, we uh, and just just deal directly to farmers in Western Canada. We have like 80 partners across Canada, the U.S., Australia, and South Africa right now. So there would be many people operating um, the technology that we use, and we have many other products as well, including software that, that yeah, would roll out to all 
all kinds of other partners who would be engaging with farmers in other areas to implement the same process. Corey Wilness with us in Nakam, Saskatchewan. So the, the spinoff then in terms of the the application of product, is that when you start to apply this into sprayer technology, into cameras, that kind of thing? Yeah, like most of the projects with the cane network um, are all external to the the foundational product that we just discussed. Mm, okay. Um, like so, for example, the one of the projects is called the SWAT cam. It's a camera system that mounts on sprayers and takes images on the fly, and then farmers will end up with like an actual map of crop versus weeds and plant stand counts across their entire farm, and then. That's just an evaluation system then to help them do a better job next year when they apply their seed rates, for example. So, yeah, the, the technologies are all complementary as you as you go through the ecosystem that we have. Corey Wilness, if people want to learn more about this whole field and this form of precision agriculture, what are the best coordinates to use? In the Saskatchewan Legislature, the bill has been introduced uh, to exempt Sask Energy from charging the carbon tax to you on natural gas, and Sask Energy will decline to remit the amount they would owe uh, to Ottawa as a natural gas supplier. So in this bill, uh, the Carbon Tax Fairness for Families Amendment Act uh, the Sask Energy Carbon Tax uh, Fairness Act. Uh, Sask Energy will be designated the sole registered distributor of natural gas in the province, and all powers, rights, authorities, responsibilities, and obligations under the federal Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act will be held by the provincial government. So if there is a backlash from Ottawa for what we're doing in Saskatchewan, it will fall not on Sask Energy, not on Sask Energy's directors, employers, employees, but on the crown of Saskatchewan. So basically, the Saskatchewan government has said it will be responsible. So if there's a case over carbon tax charge, carbon tax dispute, it's not Sask Energy. It is the government crown and right of Saskatchewan. So that's a technical point that if it gets litigious, uh, the party defending itself will be the Saskatchewan government as opposed to Sask Energy. So the NDP has thus far, in fact, you remember the uh, unanimous vote in the legislature calling on Ottawa to exempt carbon tax on home heating, which of course includes in this part of the world natural gas. So of course the government is waiting to see, uh, will the provincial government uh, make it unanimous by supporting it. So this will be, we've now seen the bill, and I think uh, in the next uh, day, hopefully tomorrow before we uh, leave you for this week, uh, we'll get Dustin Duncan on. He is the minister responsible and uh, taking charge of this particular bill, uh, saying that we still believe the federal government should remove the carbon tax on everything for everyone. But until that happens, the government 
will ensure by taking the carbon tax off Sask Energy bills that families uh, are dealt with fairly. And that's uh, Dustin Duncan, who is the minister responsible for Sask Energy. So we'll find out more from him. Uh, Tasha Kiridan, National Post, made a great point that the whole premise now of the carbon tax, the verdict is near unanimous. The tax is a farce. Now, some of us in this part of the world five years ago knew the tax was a farce. Other Canadians are kind of slow at learning. They're figuring it out, too. If you can exempt the Atlantic, you can exempt home heating oil. Then Bill C-234 is stalled now in the Senate. It got through the House of Commons. This would have given farmers an exemption from the carbon tax, regardless of the kind of fuel they consume. So it'll be their automotive fuels, their diesel, and natural gas. A number of Liberal-appointed senators, supposedly independent, they call themselves, have now blocked this. So there is a standoff coming between the House and the Senate. And Stephen Gibo, the climate change and environment minister, and the prime minister are now both saying clearly, quote, there will be no exemptions or carve-outs to carbon tax. So you do it for the Atlantic, you exclude farmers, and the point that uh, Tasha Kearden makes, only Justin Trudeau's vanity keeps the carbon tax limping along because this has become all about his political fortunes, all about virtue signaling, all about woke politics. And uh, it's now a signature piece that if he allows to continue to be eroded, will mean his legacy will somehow be uh, diminished. I wouldn't worry that legacy, I think, is well on the way to taking a little bit of a hit. Hey, tomorrow, the week's ultimate open session here, week's hottest shows, Belton Johnson's in and more. I'll see you right back here tomorrow morning. I'm John Gormley. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.